morning, everybody. I hope that the uh, sugar rush is balancing out the lack of sleep for you all today. It's, it helps me out this morning. So, well, we're, we're really glad you're here. Today we're kicking off just a real short two-week series uh, this morning called Normal. And as you saw from that roll-in, the definition or our definition of normal changes dramatically over time. The things that we say, they change. You know, the meanings behind the words we use, they change over time. And so, uh, in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about what is, what is normal? How do we define what is actually normal? And by normal, what I mean by that is what is morally acceptable. So you might want to have that in your mind as far as what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about what is normal, I'm really referring to what is morally acceptable, and then who defines that within the society and the culture. So just to get everybody kind of on the same page, here's a quick sociology refresher, kind of take you back to the classroom for a moment. Some sociology terms and just the idea of culture. Cultural norms. Uh, culture is the culmination of ideas, norms, and values that are accepted in our society. Okay, This is uh, just to help get our minds around some of the things we're going to be talking about this morning. Second, cultural norms are commonly accepted expectations for behavior. So what is normal, what's acceptable in our culture, and in any culture, can impact all sorts of things. certainly impacts what we do in a specific situation. Um, you know, we look around and we see what's everyone doing. And we try to figure it out based on the norms, and, and we behave typically in line with the norms. Uh, how we relate to each other, whether that's here or out, out of here at work, we pay attention to some of these issues to figure out how we're going to relate in a, in a certain setting. Uh, the way that we determine right and wrong, these, certain, these certainly impact us in those areas. And then what's popular? Like, you know, so the music we listen to, the, the things you wear, there's all sorts of things that are impacted by these, er, these areas of, of culture. And norms in our culture can also be felt on a real small scale. Uh, it's pretty normal, for example, to talk on your cell phone in a public place. You know, it's, it's not abnormal. It may be considered rude to some, but, you know, it's pretty normal for people to be talking in a restaurant um, on a cell phone. And, um, you know, and in turn, people can listen in on your private conversations that you're having on a cell phone, whether you're in a restaurant or maybe um, on a bus or in a, maybe even, you know, in a library or wherever you're at, maybe even at church. You know, you might take a call. I remember one time I was... Um, <laughs> delivering a message, and someone got up and took a, or not got up, took a phone call in the middle of my message, and uh, a whole conversation, actually, and people, it was just, she didn't realize the norm (laughs) that she was violating there, and, uh, um, but apparently that was normal for her, and, uh, but not long ago, the only public phone was where? It was in a booth, where you would shut, and I don't know if you ever used one, I, I, you know, did use one of these once before, and, and, you know, you'd shut the the door, the glass door, and there was actually still privacy, so you could actually have a private phone call. But that's that's not normal anymore. Um, technology has made tons of things that are normal, you know, which did not exist before technology became so prevalent in our lives. And at the same time, other norms in our culture can influence people, you know, greatly. There's this, the power of culture can actually be felt like a tidal wave, just rushing in, and we can get swept away by the by the cultural norms of what is normal, how everyone should think or act, you can also get a sense of, of the fact that you're not normal. Um, you know this sometimes that, oh man, I'm not normal in this setting. Depending on what you believe, depending on what you think, or the 
the practices you have, if those don't match up with the current of the culture, you might feel really, really out of place. Um, another example is if you were at Angel Stadium. We'll use Angel Stadium because I don't like to step foot in Dodger Stadium ever, if I can avoid it. And I'm a Giants fan, and uh, but but if I go to an Angels game, which I enjoy the Angels, I, I, I there's something about being in a baseball game that you know um, that you don't do. If there's a beach ball going around, you keep the beach ball up in the air, and you certainly keep it on your deck. You don't like just and blast it onto the next deck because what will happen is everyone's you're going to be publicly shunned by a whole 50,000 people. And if you're lucky, you'll have your face on a jumbotron as that one loser that lost the beach ball. And you might even, if you're in Dodger Stadium, you might start a small riot in the stands. Because, <laughs> But we respect certain cultural norms, and there's crowd pressure that we give into. We're, we're gauging what we do based on what everyone else thinks we should do. Um, but we pick up the norms of what is morally acceptable um, in life. We pick them up from the media. We pick them up from our, our reference group from our education system, we're taught norms. And some of the norms we're taught in the education system were not norms um, morally um, decades ago. But now there's norms being taught. Uh, parents to pick up things at work. And for us as adults, we're constantly being painted a picture of what is success. And our, our kids, if you have kids, the culture is defining for your kids through the media primarily and oftentimes education as well. What is cool Their friends are defining that for them as well. Who's cool? How to be cool? So for our purpose in this series, uh, we're going to be talking about how important it really is to let God define what is normal. That's really the point of this morning's message. Let God define what is normal and morally good and acceptable. This is crucial because from our vantage point, His definition of what is normal never shifts. It does not move with with the flow, the tidal wave of mainstream culture. It just doesn't change. And so as we talk through these things, um, I wanted to let you know up front, there's, there's two major assumptions behind what I'm saying in this series. We're not going to be going into these, but these are two major assumptions. The first one is this. These are truths that I believe are taught through the Scripture. The backdrop of some of this, but I'm not going to go and explain this. These are just assumptions that I'm basing this on. You may or may not agree on these, but God is our Maker. We thrive by living His way according to His design. In other words... God has determined what reality is, and it's our job to discover His reality. It's our job to understand and discover what is God's reality. And second, also to help us, God has graciously, He gave us the Bible to teach us how to live His way according to His design. The Bible is both God's Word, you know, it's God's Word both to, it's to people, but it's, it's both true and it's real. It's true and real like gravity. Like you can, you can depend on God's word. Um, you don't have to believe in in gravity, but it hurts when you try to defy gravity. You step off a building, <laughs> you found that it's both true and real, because you try to defy it, doesn't work for you. But these are two of the assumptions that that are behind what I'm saying today. So I'm I'm going to ask you try to hear what I'm saying from the perspective of someone who 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 would stake their life. On these beliefs, and I understand you may question some of the things we're going to look at this morning. That's okay, uh, but we'd love to help you sort out these issues um, and investigate what does it really mean to follow Christ and to base your life on the Bible. We want to encourage you to wrestle with these issues because the Bible's claim is that your life and and any generations that flow through your life depend on the issues we're looking at this morning. 
So, with that said, at the top of your listening guide, God gives us the key ingredients for the best way to live. Now, this kind of sounds like a, a, a cheap infomercial statement, you know. Tune in for God's key ingredients tonight for how to live. So, when, when I say the word live there, I don't simply mean just to be alive, but really talking about the quality of our life and certainly to remain alive. Like to have a longer life or to have a good life, a full life. That's really what we're going to be looking at this morning. Because some of the issues that are um, cultural norms are life issues. And there's, um, there's issues in our, in our society that are hot topics that we're going to be looking at this morning just briefly. And these are life issues. These are quality of life issues, protection of life issues. Um, so I want to look at a passage of Scripture where Moses, he lays this idea out to the people of Israel. God, he, he's led his people, the Hebrews, out of slavery, out of Egypt, and he's preparing for them to move into a new land, and that right on the edge of the promised land, this is going to become their country. They've been wandering in the desert for years, periods of obedience and disobedience, and here they are at the edge of the promised land. This is right at the, ed- right at the end of Moses' life, and Moses is... Um, giving his farewell speech here. He's about to hand over his leadership to another man. And this is part of his farewell speech. I want to read this passage and then I want to break it down for a moment. So let's see what it says. Fifteen or Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. It says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His land and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are taking, that you are entering to take possession of it. This is about life in this new land, he's saying. You want a certain kind of life in this land, he's telling them how to do that. But, he says on the flip side, if, you're, if your heart turns away and you won't hear, but you're drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, he says, then I declare to, to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, he says, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that he swore, that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob to give them. So he's really talking here in this passage, about two options. He's laying out two major options. He's saying, look, do you want a good life in the land? One that's fulfilling, one that goes good for you, one that goes well? He's not, he's not saying, do you want a trouble-free life? Because one way to actually state this main point of God giving us the key ingredients for the best way to live, you might want to add in a broken world to that. Because there is sin in the world, there's disease in the world because of that. There's um, an enemy <laughs> that we battle against. So the, there, there is, but he's talking about how do you experience the best life even within the broken framework of our world. Of our world, He's not just talking about the afterlife, but he's saying, look, there's two options here. There's good, and then there, there's a, a life of disobedience where you just follow your own, desires, you set their, your own direction, or you follow the flow of the culture. And he's saying, there's two options here. There's good and there's life, or there's death and evil. 
He's not necessarily just talking about the afterlife. He's really referring to the life here and now in the land. Moses' words draw such a close comparison to God's words and his directions in the Garden of Eden. You think about God and the direction he gave to Adam and Eve in the Garden when he he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil before the first man and woman, and he commanded them not to eat from it if they really wanted to live. Don't eat from this if you want to live. He says, you want to live full lives? But if you rebel and you eat from it, you will surely die. There's a close comparison to what Moses is saying and what God said to Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam and Eve were told to depend on God's knowledge of good and evil. They were to depend on the fact that God really knew what would bring the good life and how to stay in that place of living the good life. Um, But they chose to rebel. But here in this passage, Moses is giving them really similar offer. Imagine you're there. You're there among the people. You're hearing the speech. You're about to enter this new land. Put yourself among the people. Your future depends on this message. And I would say even today, our future as people who would desire to follow Christ depends on how we live in line with the way that God defines normal in our world. Because what's happening in this passage is Moses is saying, look, God has defined what is normal and acceptable and how you're going to live in this land. If you live this way, there's blessing, there's good. If you disregard it, then there's problems that crop up. Look back at verse 16. If you look back a few verses, he says, See, I've set before you today life. He, again, he's just saying God's defined the boundaries for your life. We don't get to define that in the land, Moses is saying. God's already set those limits. He says if you live within it, you'll experience God's blessing, His favor. Meaning, you experience the best kind of life, even within a broken world. And he says you'll live and you'll multiply, meaning there'll be generations flowing from you that will experience this blessing. There's a generational impact and blessing. And Moses, what he's doing is he's calling God's people to, to, to see life and to do life daily in line with how God defines it. That the good grows out of that type of life for us and for our children. That's, that's the offer that he's making. Verse 17 and 18, he flips it around. He says, but look, if your heart turns away and you won't hear, but you're drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, he says, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. This is, again, very similar language to the garden. You shall not live long. Now, when someone says, look, listen up, you might not live a long time if you continue in that behavior. We want to listen up. Because this is a life expectancy issue. God, Moses is saying, look, if you want to have a shorter life expectancy, then turn away from God and His commands. Violate His ways and you'll have a shorter life expectancy in the land. Not only that, but the generations that may have flown through you, that's probably not going to happen because you'll cut that off. So he's saying, look, don't severely limit the possibility for a long-term life and impact in this new land that you're entering. Verses 19 and 20. It's so critical, he says in verse 19. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, he says, choose life. Make a choice. Make a selection. He says, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Now again, this has to do with the the quality of life, the length of life, the fullness of life, that we would dwell in the land that God has sworn to our fathers. So for those people, we're hearing all of this, we're hearing all of this, and what, what Moses is saying is, look, God has already defined 
as our maker what is normal. He gets to define this because he's made us. So essentially, Moses explains that God has put up a fence by giving his commandments and his statutes and rules. And if you live inside the fence, there's protection. Life goes very well. Imagine that he's drawn like this boundary in in our mind of his commands set that boundary. His laws and his statutes provide some boundaries for us for living. If we live within that boundary, the life that I have can thrive. The life of my offspring can thrive. If I bust through the fence, if I scale over that fence, then life can be poor. What this means is this. It's important, the second point here, it's important to understand what is God's definition of what's normal and acceptable. This is the critical issue as it relates to what is normal. See, my goal this morning is to encourage you to dig into the Bible to discover what does God say about how to live and then why does He say it? Christians follow Christ. And so if you've chosen to follow Christ, it's important to know where, where is your leader taking you? Where is Jesus taking you? Jesus is going to lead His followers to live by God's Word, the Bible, to build a life on that. Look at what He says in John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Very, very similar to what Moses is saying to the people of Israel once again. Jesus is saying, look, I came to give you the fullest life possible. And he, he wants to lead his followers to live inside the fence of God's commands. Not to restrict, but really to bless. See, we think fences restrict, don't we? You see a fence, what do you want to do? You want to see if you can get over that thing. And if you're a kid, if you're a teenager, you're like, that's, that's not going to keep me out. There's no fence too high that I can't parkour off of something to get over. And you're, you're thinking, this is, this is a challenge. Well, with, with God has boundaries, we, we oftentimes think in the same way. I'm not going to be restricted. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's exactly what Adam and Eve chose. That's exactly what many of the people in Israel chose. That's exactly what many of us choose. So Jesus, he taught that the scriptures like Deuteronomy 30, these were God's words. You can build your life on these things. Now, do you know what the Bible says about the hot topics that generate most of the Emotion and attention in our mainstream culture. Do you know what it says about some of the hot topic issues? These issues are the ones that are most likely to cause the most damage to our kids and to us. For instance, if you follow Jesus, then you need to know what what God thinks about what is normal. That He actually defines the norms that have not changed with the mainstream culture. You need to know what He thinks about marriage. You need to know what He thinks about family life and sexuality, what his norms are that he's already defined. Um, What does the Bible say about protecting life? Things like abortion, things like euthanasia, capital punishment, self-defense, owning guns. What does God say? When God gives a command in Scripture, he does that as our designer. His design, though, is life-giving. That's what this offer that Moses is saying. Look, this is intended. See, I'm offering you life that you might live in this land. God made the same offer to Adam and Eve. Jesus makes this statement in, in the New Testament. It's about life and describing a certain kind of life. <clears throat> See, family life, one of the issues that is gen- certainly a hot topic right now is, is what's family? How do we define that? And what's normal? Well, God has, God has said this about family life. In Genesis, He clearly lays out the design for family life, that it's male and female, and that a man and a woman come together as husband and wife and remain faithful to each other for a lifetime. Deuteronomy is telling us that that is 
that when we bust through or climb over that fence, we create damage. And so, some of the damage is emotional, some of the damage is relational, mental, some of it's physical. But it's almost always spiritual when we climb over that fence. Because it damages our relationship to God Himself. The guilt, the shame that sets in, that actually begins to, it slowly begins to eat us up spiritually. We begin to feel this rift in our relationship with God when we climb over that fence and we redefine what He said is normal in this area. A person who is wildly promiscuous and has multiple sexual partners is very likely to get a disease, a physical disease. There's some physical damage that can happen. Now, we know this. We don't ever think it will happen to us, but but we know that, that that's a possibility. But mentally and emotionally, there is a bond also that's formed with sexual partners that can be a source of real pain to move forward from from that. And, and it must be worked through. If a healthy marriage relationship is ever going to develop, then working through some of the mental and emotional and spiritual and physical issues must happen to move forward. But this is the issue that Moses is raising, good and life. He says, look, I, I want you to choose life and good. That's still the issue that is at stake in our world today. And so as Moses is saying, look, choose life. But in our culture, God's definition of marriage and family life And monogamy seems like such an abnormal concept. It just seems so foreign. But don't just take my word. You need to know what does the Bible say is is normal. And why? Why does he say that? On the back, there's a handful of these issues. Um, We're not going to go into all these, but I want to encourage you later to read through some of these verses. Um, Here's another example, though. A homosexual lifestyle is becoming more and more um, normal and acceptable in our culture. And it's very, very tough to find balanced research to understand this issue and the impact on life. It's very difficult to find good, solid research. There is good research that shows, though, that there are some serious health issues that exist for a practicing homosexual male. And that there's life expectancy issues that come up. There's increased suicide rates that come up. There's research... If you were to Google on your phone right now, you'll find just the opposite. Probably that there is no difference related to life and life expectancy and health. Again, but there is, there's research. It's tough to find, but it's out there. Even, even with medical advances and how much uh, medical advancement has been able to help in this area, a full life is still threatened when we disregard how God has set up the boundaries of our sexuality. Now this is what lines up with Scripture is that we find out there's actual consequences when we blow through God's boundaries and start redefining what is normal. Life outside of God's boundaries dries up. It's not blessed. It's cut short. What, what Moses is saying, we see in our world today in, in many of these issues. And now as I'm saying this, I'm reminded also at the same time of some real people that I have known and know who live and practice a homosexual lifestyle. And very quickly, this becomes a very emotional issue because these are people that I know. These are friends. These may be family members. And so it feels like the Bible's definition of, of, of our sexuality and what the Bible says is normal, it just feels like that's so harsh and it's so narrow-minded and it's so exclusive. But what I want to encourage you to do is don't just believe the culture and don't just listen to what I say and, and 
But check it out for yourself. Check out what the Bible says on these things. It's crucial for your good. It's crucial for the good of your children that you would know and be able to inform your kids and train your kids on understanding how does God define what is normal. Many of us, we hear rumors about the Bible's stances on these things, but we never look into these matters ourselves. This matter is crucial. You know, we listen to talk radio. We hear so much talk radio. We we hear the, the TV newscasts. We watch TV and just the news programs. Or we watch the Grammys and we see Queen Latifah performing a, a marriage ceremony for gay and straight couples all at the same time as they're playing the song Same Love, which basically says we're all from the same God and and this is the same love that all of us are sharing. And, and you watch those events and you can't help but develop opinions as your emotions get pulled along when you see people who want to experience happiness. But that's just one of many issues that God has spoken about. And we need to understand what He has to say. And then, not just what He says, but why. Don't just get swept away with the emotions of this tidal wave that's pulling you, but understand it for yourself and engage in a loving way with people who are wrestling with these issues. Another example is pornography. With technology, the access that we have and that our children have to just stumble upon pornography is alarming. Um, I, I learned about the birds and the bees and, and, and pornography in fourth grade. I mean, it, not from my parents. I learned it from my best friend at the time, whose big brother got bored of his old porn magazines and gave them to his little brother, who was my best friend, and said, hey, after we're done playing with guns, pulled something new out that I'd never seen before. And I can still remember the confusion and I could still remember the curiosity regarding those, those ladies. And, and, you know, the curiosity that began at that point when I was in seventh grade, I moved to a new town. My two best friends, they had their own stashes. There's more confusion, more curiosity, and not a lot of conversation with any adults to help me understand. What, what is this whole other world that's, that's out there? And pornography, it's, again, it's, it's normal in our culture. Exposure to pornography at a young age is very, very common. More, more than we likely would want to get our minds around. And as parents, if you are a parent, you can't completely prevent your kids from exposure. I mean, I really wish that I could just, like the old Saturday Night Live skit where you could put your son in a bubble and have Bubble Boy as your son. And I would just protect my kids in bubbles and I'd roll that bubble into the wedding chapel so that, so that they, there would not have been anything to damage. But even after, there's no way around it. You know, they're going to have to learn to battle. But healthy dialogue, helping our kids understand what God says and why He says that about sex, that is so important. But one of the lies that floats around our culture as it relates to pornography is that it's harmless. And I, I hear it outside the church, I hear it in the church, that it's kind of okay and among even Christian marriages. And you know, it's, it's easy. When you, when you hear this, and you think, well, it's been around for so long, it's easy to feed this lie. I've fed that lie before. But more and more research shows that there is a progression when it comes to pornography. You know, what may start out as harmless curiosity can lead to an addiction, which can lead to desensitization 
where a person needs to be viewing and seeing things that are more obscure and and really many would say um, out there and way out of bounds um, but then to even acting out sexually there's a progression and again you're not going to just type in what's the effects of pornography in a secular setting and find any real good research but if you look into it there's there's solid research to um, to support the fact that this is very dangerous. Now, God has already defined these norms. He doesn't want us to redefine them. And He certainly doesn't want us to scale over these walls. But as a Christian man, and as the rest of you that are Christian men, and as Christian women, you know we are not immune to this temptation. I wish I was immune to this. I mean, I wish I, I, I didn't have to battle against those traps and temptations. But that's just not the world that I live in, and that's just not the people that we are. We have to battle with these different things. And as a married man, I have to stay committed to fighting and winning this battle for the sake of my marriage, for my wife. And as a parent, I have to be in the game with my kids. I can't put my head in the sand and bury my head and just think, oh, please God, don't let this impact them because the tidal wave will take them towards devastating consequences if we allow it to. And I have to be engaging with them. I have to be honest with them in appropriate ways. And, you know, if you feel defeated already in any of these areas, I want to encourage you, start by being honest with yourself. You know, if you've blown past any of these boundaries or you're wrestling with that, open up to some more mature person. Talk to God and talk to someone who's a little more mature in the faith. If you feel like it's too late with your kids, you feel like I've already missed the window, I would say start praying. Start praying that God would help you to know what steps should I be taking to engage these issues with them. Because all of these issues and more that you see on the back side here are hot topics that we need to know how to... We need to know, God, what do you say? And then why do you say it? And not just... Maybe today you're having an emotional reaction already to some of these subjects that I'm bringing up. And I understand that. But really, the only opinion that really matters is the opinion of the God who made us. And who set definitions on normals. He wants us to be blessed by living inside the fences that He's created. He's been very clear. And with a heart of love for the people He has made. Listen to this verse in Deuteronomy 5.29. said, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear Me and keep all My commands always, so that it might go well with them and with their children forever. This is on God's heart, that He would bless us with a certain kind of life. But that life does not come cheap. You don't just stumble into that kind of life. You yield your life to Jesus Christ. You begin to experience His power at work in you. You begin to yield over more and more to Him as Lord of your life. I want to lay this before you today because it explains why, why serious Christians and Christ followers think the way that they do about certain issues of life. It seems narrow-minded at points, but there are people that are actually convinced that God wants our best and He's given us commands in the Bible for our own well-being. He loves us. He wants to keep us out of unnecessary trouble. If you flip this over, if you haven't already done that, take a look. You just scan through these issues. And I'd encourage you to spend some time understanding what are the hot topics in our culture and then what does God have to say and why. i like to wrap this up by asking you to think through your next steps. If you take out that connection card and invite the worship team to come back to the stage and also our ushers to prepare to receive this morning's offering.
here's some of the next steps. Please pick one of these. Or maybe if there's another one that, that you sense you need to take this week, I would encourage you to take a step of application in some way. Here's one is just read the key passages from the handout. This is the back side to discover what's God's definition of normal. If you want to really study more of this stuff, there are some good books. One book that I would recommend, it's, it might not sound like a very exciting one, is, but it's called Voting as a Christian. And it's written by Wayne Grudem. <laughs> it's not a very exciting title, but Voting as a Christian by Wayne Grudem. He actually has written on, you know, he's a theologian, but he, he lays out these hot topic issues. Because when it comes time for elections and who you're going to put in office, who you're going to support, what you vote on certain um, propositions and issues, it's, it's difficult to understand and get our minds around these issues. So I encourage you, there's some really good resources. In that book, he, he lays out a lot of the research for life tied to the hot topic issues. Another one is if you have children, gain an understanding of God's perspective of what's normal. So I can share, share that with my kids. Um, this, is, this is very important. Let, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for um, your love for the world. Lord, that like Paul wrote to the church in Corinth who, who was dealing with all sorts of immorality and problems and he reminded them of the different kinds of lifestyles that were out of bounds. And he reminded them that the church there in Corinth was made up of people who were in those lifestyles and who abandoned them and walked with you. And Lord, may that be true. May we see more and more people yield their life to Jesus Christ. The reality is all of us, Lord, are fallen, broken people who deal with sin and a pull towards things to lead us far from where you want us to be. And God, we need your, your help to rescue us, Lord, from the pull of this culture, from the tidal wave of mainstream culture, Lord. Help us understand these issues, what you've said in the Bible, and why. Not, Lord, so that we can be arrogant, unloving people who, who want to debate, but, Lord, that we could understand intelligibly what you've said, know how to love people, know how to wrestle through our own sin and temptation and have victory, Lord. Lord, grant us clarity as we parent our kids as well, Lord. Help us to stay in the game. Help us to be paying attention. Help us not to freak out, though, Lord, but to have courage to to raise issues and to, to appropriately talk about things at the right times with our kids. Give us clarity and wisdom and courage to do that. Lord, I also lift up those who are heading on summer mission trips. Would you bless them through providing for their needs, Lord. I know that the deadlines are coming for what they need to go on these trips. Lord, I pray that you would provide for them, Lord. Whether that's through people giving or just through giving those people ideas of how they can put together some more of their own resources for this, Lord. Would you just provide, Lord? Thank you for these people who are willing to go to take people, take Jesus to, to people who've never heard and who, in many cases, have no access or no opportunity to hear. Lord, I pray that you'd protect them as they go and provide opportunities to share the gospel, Lord, that you might light a fire in these different regions, Lord, that people would know you. Thank you for this time, Lord. Help us, God, to walk with you in obedience. Stay within your boundaries. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.